Hey, Scott. Hey, Nick. Oh, what's up? Why do you look so down? I just... I can't believe Back to the Future Minute is over. Hey, it's okay, man. You got Spider-Man Minute. You got the Doctor's Companion. What more do you want? What? You want your favorite uh, scientist and little uh, little assistant? You want me to do Doc and Marty? <gasps> right? You'll get over it. You'll be fine. Oh, who the hell put this on? It's on random. For God's sake. Look, it's not that I want to keep doing Back to the Future Minute forever. I'm just trying to say that I need something a little more. I want to get out there and do interesting stuff. Podcast a little. And I'd love to be able to do it with you, but I want you to want to do it too. I agree. We should get out there, but what can we do? How about a Cornetto? A Cornetto? Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy. First, we'll start with a bite of Shaun of the Dead. Then, we'll take some shots of hot fuzz, and later, we'll wrap it all up with a couple of pints at the world's end. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! The Cornetto Minute, the daily podcast where we take car, go to mums, kill Phil, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, and have a nice cold pint one minute at a time. It all blows over starting with Shaun of the Dead this October at DuelingGenre.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Dueling Genre. to Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man one credit-rolling minute at a time. I'm Zach Luna. And I'm Scott Corelli. And, uh, and that's it. That's It's just us for this last week. We're, yeah. You know, uh, the, 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 the hosts bringing it home uh, yeah. in, the, in the credits. I mean, this is, we're at minute 117 today, which is the official start, I guess, of just the pure credits, um, you know, with the cast list. So the minute begins with... Um, Joe Manganiello's credit for Flash Thompson popping up at the bottom of the screen and uh, ends with the costume prop maker named Raymond Scott's credit popping up at the bottom of the screen. So it's just mm-hmm. it's just words, you know, white words, white typeface on on black, you know, scrolling black mm-hmm. background. That's that's the whole minute today mm-hmm. um, with some with some cool uh, like webbing design yeah yeah stuff yeah. they sort of like off offset the typography you know diagonally depending on the sections and uh yeah, yeah they do so there's some fun stuff with it like it's nice for it. yeah it's nice. we don't i could i could do with some like jackie chan style bloopers in the corner i you know that would be fun but uh we don't have any of those uh, mm-hmm. i know like what is your favorite type of like post credits like 
credits? Just like regular scrolling ones or the ones with uh, the spaces? I, no. I am a big fan of of cards up yeah. to up to leading up to a resurgence of the title. Yeah. <laughs> and then the rolling credits. Yeah, that's fun. I that's that's all of my short films did that because oh, that's that's, nice. that's yeah. what I like. Um I don't know. Yeah. My my go-to is always the the Princess Bride where the the main cast they do their credits over a clip of them from the movie. Uh, yeah. That ends with them smiling and then they yeah. like, "Oh, here's Robin Wright and she's smiling and she looks so nice, you know." Whenever <laughs> whenever I see um uh cards like that because when i what i'm thinking is like the the just like the plain title cards oh um, sure yeah uh that that sort of like are sort of like opening credits in reverse because they yeah, start yeah. they start with written and you know written and directed by and then sort of like go up and then build to the cast and then yeah. go to like a blah 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 production and then the title and then it cuts to like the rolling credits right yeah. um that's what i'm thinking of but like what you're talking about Whenever, whenever that happens, it always makes me think of um, the Scream movies, which <laughs> all have those the the character cards. Oh yeah, also yeah, which is really weird and off putting because then you're watching <laughs> and you're just like, oh, all these people are dead. That's yeah. Well, look at that. Oh boy, oh, boy, I feel even worse now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And look, they're all smiling and happy. But this is weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I remember uh, Scream Two when it when it did that. Uh, it yeah. ended with um, the uh, for, I forget. I think less than Jake covered. I think I love you. <laughs> um, and so it was just like I think I love you. So what am I so afraid of? <laughs> and like that's what's playing like while everyone's like smiling and looking at the camera and stuff. And I'm like, that's was a weird choice for this movie. Um, yeah. Jeez, yeah. guys. Jeez. Yeah, I know. Um. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Um, well, today I sort of, I mean, it's, it would be kind of insane to like, you know, attempt to list and talk about literally everyone that's scrolling by today because it's, mm -hmm. it would just be like reiterating IMDb. But, um, I picked out a couple like, you know, key people I wanted to talk to about, um, I want to like, how do we, should we structure the discussion today? Should we just like start with one and then no, go? No, no, no. You do, you do, you do you and then I'll yeah. do me and then yeah. that's what we'll do. Okay, yeah. Because I mean, yours is more specifically about like what we're actually watching. Mine is like extracurricular, <laughs> sort of. Like, what other things do we have that we didn't get to talk about on the main uh, podcast? Yeah, so um, in this credit, I mean, um, the way they usually set up scrolling credits is that you kind of have like your above the line stuff, which is, you know, your directors and producers and your actors. Uh, and then you scroll through like pre-production-esque things and then production things and then post-production things. So uh, because it's the beginning of the credits, we have a long stretch of cast members, which thanks to our like very diligent reporting earlier on in the podcast, we basically talked about everybody. Like mm -hmm. I, I went and double-checked and pretty much every single uh, speaking role in this movie, we've already talked about uh, the actor who plays them at length. So uh, that's kind of fun. So in terms of like pre-production stuff, one I wanted to point out because it'll be helpful later on in the week when we see visual effects stuff, is the visual effects producer. Um, so for this, it was uh, Lydia uh, Bottagoni, uh, who producing... Uh, a lot of titles in, in credits can seem uh, confusing, especially when they're similar titles. So for now, I think what's helpful to keep in mind is uh, 
visual effects producer is somebody who's there the entire way through. So they oversee the schedule and budget of the VFX department, which means they have to be there to plan it out early on. So like decisions that are like, well, what will we build practically on set versus what can be done digitally? You know, what's our plan in um, like at what point will we be start working on which shots when we're working on visual effects? Like the the person who sees that giant task and says like, yeah, I'll take that on is the visual effects producer. And so they're constantly adjusting this massive monster of a schedule and budget. And uh, they basically take that from pre-production through production all the way through post. So for that, that, you know, hero that I want to champion for this um, particular film was Lydia Bottagoni. Um, her previous work was things like um, Stuart Little and uh, Starship Troopers, which oh. I'm always happy to see that pop up. Uh, and that the is, Phantom. Those yeah. are, those, that, there, there's a large jump uh, between... <laughs> Starship Troopers and Stuart Little. Um, oh, sure, yeah. Like, maybe not alphabetically, but... Yeah. <laughs> In terms of scope, uh, yeah, and closeness. <laughs> and even things like she did uh, the Santa Claus and the uh, Ace Ventura movies and James Ooh. and the Giant Peach and the Phantom. So, like, movies that have, like, run the gamut of tone and type and genre, but that all have uh, unique, big VFX challenges. And so to have somebody like that on your team early on when you're like, well, we're trying to do a type of superhero movie that's like not really been done before to have mm -hmm. somebody that like is at least like has seen from beginning to end a project like, you know, space Marines fighting bug monsters or, you know, that James, the giant peach or, you know, how do we turn Tim Curry into a VFX Santa Claus? Like that knows it's possible and sort of guide can guide you through it. So um, props to props to Tim. Lydia. Yeah. Tim Curry. You think Tim Curry Tim was the Allen? star of the, God, <laughs> star no. of the See, now Claus? I want that. Damn it. Yeah, Tim Allen. Um, Tim but, Allen? Tim Oh, Curry. my God, though. You know what? I've been in such a Tim Curry kick lately that I can't, like, <laughs> disassociate that in my brain. I rewatched Clue the other day, which is one of my favorites. Um, mm. And obviously, we rewatched the um, the It miniseries from the 90s recently. Mm -hmm. um, I love Tim Curry. My God, he would be the scariest Santa Claus in the world. Mm -hmm. Or, like, the most off-putting, at least. I Under well, and I mean, he should have played the Grinch because. Uh, oh God, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, underrated Tim Curry performance is uh, as the hotel manager in uh, Home Alone Two. Lost Home Alone in New Two York. lost in New York. Yeah, because yeah. he does that. He does that Grinch smile. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> uh, for that transition, that really great transition. It's oh, oh God, it's beautiful. He was um, a unique, wonderful, wonderful talent. I mean, he's still around, but. Uh, it's a little harder for him to do uh, smiles like that these days. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I just love Tim Curry, and it's hard to get him out of your brain. God, he's God, he's great. Um, Fair enough. I would much rather talk about Tim Curry than Tim Allen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, we as a species should believe that to be true. Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, so props to that. And um, the other, the other like big one I wanted to like hang a wait, 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 hold on, pause. Okay. That being said. Yeah, I the, I would pay a lot of money to see Tim Allen as Doctor Frankenfooter <laughs> in a Rocky Horror Picture show, just to see him <laughs> super uh. uncomfortable and just <laughs> that would be uh, incredible. Anyway, go ahead, carry yeah, on. No, we sh there's that's the uh, the new expanded universe that we're gonna launch where we just like cross uh, cast. <laughs> Tim Allen and Tim Curry in each other's movies. Man, yeah. oh. The Tim Curry Santa Claus, though, that's that's great. Like, I, mm -hmm. I thought the crankiest Santa Claus I'd be okay with was, um, oh, God, who plays him in Elf? Ed, 
Asner? Is it Ed Asner? An elf? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, like, you know, cranky cranky old man Santa is, I'm a big fan of that, but like, scary English Santa. T- Tim Curry saying, does this look like a little weight to you? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all that aside, I guess. Uh, the other, uh, like, uh, unsung hero I thought it would be worth uh, pointing out in this um, section of the... Uh, of the credits is uh eric heffron uh eric elvis heffron i guess elvis was his like um nickname on a few sets uh Ooh. who's the first ad and the first ad is a, a person on set that i don't think gets enough credit from people who like watch movies but haven't worked on one and like the, mm-hmm. the minute you set you step foot on a movie set and watch a first ad go you're like oh my god that is the hardest job i've ever seen what why are there not statues to these people so mm-hmm. the um the first ad like you understand sort of like everybody does implicitly like, oh, the, the job of the director is to, you know, be the creative vision person. You know, they direct the actors and they make the decisions about like uh, wh- what directions the departments should go in and, and to bring your vision to life. You know, you're right. captain of the ship, steering it creatively. Um, the The first AD, which stands for first assistant director, is, okay, how do I let you do that and then actually get this thing made. So the first AD runs the set. It's kind of like the stage manager in the theater. So while the director can be thinking about the shot and talking to the actors and directing them and all those choices, the first AD is the person that's like tracking the daily project uh, uh, progress and arranging the logistics, telling people what to do and when they keep things moving smoothly. They're in charge of the schedule. They're the ones, you know, uh, checking in on everybody because if there wasn't somebody like herding all of the cattle along a film set would be chaos and uh, like almost nothing would get done so that there is one person in almost a position of absolute authority. They usually have very strong voices and they're intimidating people who will say to everyone, we've got to get going or, Mm -hmm. you know, five minutes to finish setting up and then we're shooting this. Uh, That like pillar is so important and and they also for the ecology of the um or the ecosystem of the set yeah the set needs a bad guy um and like desperately Uh, (laughs) and that bad guy can't be the director because Mm. everybody needs to like and respect the director so most of the time the person who takes that bullet is the is the first ad yeah uh, they're the ones that are like, okay, everybody, stop laughing, stop, you know, not yeah. doing what you're supposed to be doing, stop having too much fun, right? We, gotta, we have a we job have, to do. Yeah. We have a job to do because if you don't, and you know, an example I think about a lot, which is you know, because of narcissistic things that affect me, is something like <laughs> uh, the concept of a meal penalty. So, like, say you have people. Like me, I often work as a um, a stand-in on set. So uh, I work with the camera department as a um, just a physical body to stand in for the main actor. So when we're setting the lights and like measuring distances for the cameras and you know uh, going around and setting things up, they they can just put me there and have me hit all the marks and you know light around me. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's you know technically a crew position and it's you know very cool one to be, but it's not like a very stressful important one. So I'm technically part of the crew, but I'm uh, hired on a talent voucher for like background, like extra work. Mm-hmm. And when you are hired on a, um, a SAG voucher uh, for 
you know, background extra work as a stand-in, there's like certain union stipulations to try to protect you. And one of those is the concept of a meal penalty, which is if you, if you go more than six hours with being fed, you know, that's not allowed. Like you, <laughs> without, without being fed. Yeah. Yeah. Like you yeah. have to be fed within six hours. So if we go right. over six hours and we haven't cut for lunch, anybody who's working on a voucher like that will receive a, a bonus on their check as like a, sorry, we screwed up. Here's some extra money. And that's called mm -hmm. a meal penalty. And those like add up every 15 minutes. So say you had a set where there's like eight principal actors. And then there's also, you know, I don't know, this is a high school scene. So we've got like six union, um, like extras on the day. And then like a few non-union talent. Um, mm -hmm. They won't really get the same type of meal penalties. But if we go over by 15 minutes, you've lost hundreds and hundreds of dollars because each one of those people is going to get a bump in their paycheck because of that screw up. So like, mm -hmm. you know, two minutes of goofing around here earlier in the day, three minutes of like waiting around a little bit too much after six hours goes by, that might push us past a point where the production has to eat a whole chunk of money for not getting people to lunch on time. Mm -hmm. And the AD makes sure those little gaps don't happen and make sure that, that we don't hit that meal penalty. And then we, you know, everything runs smoothly. So yeah, you got you got to be the bad guy, and you got to um, you know wrangle cats uh, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, but it's it's crazy to see it happen, and like the good ones can do it um, without being mean, but you just respect their authority implicitly, and mm -hmm. uh, they're also in charge of health and safety and logistics and things like that. So uh, Eric Heffron, the first AD for this um, movie was the first AD for all three Spider-Man films um, for Sam Raimi, which I think is kind of nice. Uh, and before that, he did For the Love of the Game with Sam Raimi. He did Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He did Twister and Friday Night Lights and My Best Friend's Wedding. So he was used to, you know, how do we coordinate and wrangle a big movie project like this uh, before that? And, like, my favorite little bit of um, trivia about him is that after these um, Raimi movies happened, he was the first AD for Iron Man and Iron Man 2. So he uh, oh. sort of ushered in the MCU uh, by, by running those sets as well as these sets. So uh, props to you, Eric Ephraim. We appreciate what you do. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and that's, and that's the other thing that's interesting is like you hear the, the term like, you know, first assistant director. And mm -hmm. you, you're, I, th I think a lot of people's instinct is to believe that um, they're assisting the director creatively somehow yeah, yeah um and that's that's just not what it is no yeah they're they're yeah. the person who's you know say like okay checking in with the with the grips and electric like how how long do we need to shoot this how long do we need to light this we'll be be ready in five minutes and then yells out to everybody we got five till picture and then like after that sets up they yell everybody to be quiet they ask the sound if they're rolling you know usually mm -hmm. like the the popular image in your brain of like a uh, director saying like lights camera action that's really more the first ad doing that like mm -hmm. nine times out of ten it's the first ad is the one yelling out you know because the director is focused on keeping their vision in their head yeah making yeah. sure that it's being executed properly by the camera department the actors yeah, yeah. Um, you know all that stuff and then and then watching the take in video village 
and, and then making adjustments. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so, so you have to have some. And that's that's enough. I mean, that's that's, that's a that's lot way to more keep track. Yeah, yeah, that's you, a lot to keep track. You have of. to have somebody who takes on the load of like all the logistic insanity. Right. Uh, uh, and right. like can can withstand that pressure from everyone else. Right. Um, it's nuts. So that's awesome, Eric Heffron. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Okay. So the last time we talked about. Uh, the the kept draft. Um, the last thing that we saw, if you uh, remember, we saw a couple of things happen. One, we saw the Green Goblin completely overtaking Norman Osborn. Yes. Uh, and then we saw, uh, basically after Aunt May was attacked, Peter, um, threw his Spider-Man costume in the fire. Oh yeah. Yeah. Whoa, okay. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, as we return, um, we are in Central Park, and uh, it's a cold day. Peter's sitting on a park bench, and someone sits next to him, and he turns, and it's Uncle Ben. What? Uh, and he says, uh, he, he's saying, like, this, this, this is impossible, and Uncle Ben's like, ah, relax, kiddo, it's a dream. <laughs> um, it's like you're still back at home you fell asleep on the sofa it's about seven in the morning you're gonna wake up in a few minutes and then peter just stares at him for a really long time and then just like just like hugs the crap out of him basically yeah um and uncle ben is like whoa 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 and then peter's like oh god i'm so sorry uncle ben and he he's like hey, hey, hey my life was my own the day i was born i I was a book that was already written and my story ended how it was always meant to end. But you here now today, you're a work in progress. Um, and he says, uh, he's like, look, I've only got a minute or two before the doorbell wakes you up. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Peter's like, I love you, uncle Ben. And uncle Ben's like, I know you do. Um, he's like, I, you know, I, I, all I have to do to like end all of this is tell MJ who I really am. And uh, Uncle Ben's like, yeah, it'd be pretty easy, huh? And Peter says, yeah, sure would. He's, and he says, uh, so why don't you tell her? Well, because she wouldn't be safe a single minute for the rest of her life. Is that really why? And Peter like kind of like looks at him and says, mm, partly. Hmm. And Uncle Ben says, she needs to love you, Pete, not the guy in the mask. Uh, but burning that mask isn't the way to protect her or yourself. You can't deny who you are, buddy. He says, who am I? Because because of who I, or he goes, who 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 I am? Because of who I am, you were killed. Aunt May was almost who's next? How can I be sure that no one else will get hurt? Uncle Ben says, You can't. It's called life. You can't bet on it. You can't manage it or control it. All you can do is lead the one you're meant to live. Huh. The one thing you gotta know, the only thing you gotta know, is that is who you are. The rest is just noise. Uh, and then as he says, the rest is just noise. We get interrupted by buzzing, uh, which <laughs> and then he wakes up in the living room and it's the it's the doorbell. Okay. And uh, he goes and he answers the door and there's a man in a black suit. Uh, and he says, Peter Parker. Yes. And then he gives him a cream envelope and walks away. Um, and uh, Peter opens the envelope and he reads it. And we do a cross dissolve between 
the logo on the back of the letterhead uh, and Oscorp. Um, And so we are at Oscorp and it's early morning. Um, There's, uh, you know, fog everywhere. And uh, he is walking. Peter's walking up toward the black Oscorp building. Hmm. And um, as he walks, starts walking into the we're in like sort of like a plaza area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like an outdoor uh, plaza area, and yeah. as he's walking toward where the letter is telling told him to go, uh, he sees um, Harry walking up. Oh, and then on the other side, he sees MJ also walking up, and they all sort of like meet in the middle of the plaza, and Harry says to Peter, "Well, what do you want?" Peter says, me, she sent me a letter. And MJ says, Harry, you're the one who sent me a letter. And then they all look at each other and they're like, "Uh uh-oh. And then you hear a clunk from about 20 feet away. And they turn around and it's a pumpkin bomb. Oh, my God. And Harry says, oh, God. And they all leap out of the way as the bomb explodes. And then (laughs) pumpkin bombs just start like, you know, just start dropping from the fog in the sky. And what? they're running away as like all of these pumpkin bombs are basically chasing them through the plaza. And Harry says this way and he run, they run to an elevator that's on the outside of the building, like sort of on the inside of the plaza. Yeah. Um, and they go to get into the elevator and Peter stops because his spider sense goes off. And, they, and MJ goes, what? And Peter says, the elevator, don't go in. And Harry's like, fine, stay down here and die. And then shuts the door. Um, and they head up as Peter like screams like MJ or, or, <laughs> Peter, or yeah. And then, so they go and then another bomb explodes hurling, uh, like Peter, like off to the side. Um, and on the, uh, then we go, we go inside the elevator, uh, as like the elevator starts moving up and the elevator. So we go through the wall as the elevator moves up and the yeah. elevator moves out of the way. And then we see at the bottom of the of where the elevator is by the the elevator cable, there's another there's a pumpkin bomb that's timed. Oh god! And it's sort of like ticking. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, so so it's going, and MJ's calling for Peter, um, as she's being like lifted away in the elevator, mm-hmm. and uh, Peter Peter stands up. And he's watching the elevator rise and hears the glider sort of like through the fog. He doesn't see it yet. And so instinctually he goes to pull off his shirt to turn into Spider-Man and then Uh. realizes the costume isn't there because he burned it. (sighs) Spidey. Yeah. My God. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there until tomorrow. Yeah. What that is such a, like a diversion of, um, approach i mean like i guess i i could I, I should have seen this coming a bit more in terms of how we've like well established that the kept draft has more of a focus on harry has to be eliminated as a like modifying mo- modifying that's the word i'm looking for motivating uh, motivating thank yeah. you thank you motivating factor for the green goblin well but that, no but, but but now yeah. he's just he's just the green goblin is just like ah let's just kill all three of them whatever just kill all they're, of all, them. they're yeah. all trouble yeah that have them all meet up you know with the old the old i thought you sent me a letter trick right 
<laughs> and I'll wipe the slate clean. <laughs> yeah. We all will tell each other. We'll, we'll tell our moms that we're staying at each other's houses. Right. Um, <laughs> but really, but, we're uh, staying at Pumpkin Bomb Inn. Yeah. That is that is wild. Yeah. Uh, I, I do. The one thing that uh, I do really like about this, though, um, hmm. is that I like that it involves all three of them and not just two of them. Because oh, I, I don't think that really ever happens in the finished movie i mean we have like none in this group one, scenes no. where they're involved yeah, yeah but like there's there's group scenes with them but really nothing like a joint activity for the three of them or like joint no. problem they have to solve like it's only ever mj and peter scene or mj and harry scene or harry and peter scene that's yeah it. this is yeah. very much a sort of it feels like a harry potter scene because it, yeah. it feels like Harry, Ron, and Hermione like meeting up and being yeah. like, "Oh, like after f- having a fight, um, like a yeah. three-way fight," and they're all just like, "Oh, it's you." Um, yeah, feels great. like something from Deathly Hollows or something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, and then uh, you know, a dangerous spell goes off, and they all run for cover and right. search for their wands. But oh, their yeah. wands were confiscated, and they can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I kind of dig it. I mean, yeah. I I know it's not um, it's not the same, and it would be, you know, the more that I am getting into this, I don't mm-hmm. think David Fincher is the way to go. I think this this scene in particular made me mm-hmm. think of another director. Oh. Um, and uh, and I'm just now realizing there is another connection, uh, to what we were just talking about, and oh. it has nothing to do with that in my brain until just now <laughs> realizing that it does. Uh, but like in my brain, I didn't connect those threads when I thought of this person, but right. uh, Alfonso Cuaron. Oh, totally. Oh gosh. Yes. Like the idea of them running through the plaza with, with the pumpkin bombs, like dropping from the sky. Yeah, like, yeah. Children of men style. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. 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 And then that is, Oh yeah, that is, he's with the third Harry Potter. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay, see, you did it too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my, my brain goes to the other one first. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Matt, good match of, uh, <laughs> but, uh, of content and direction. Yeah, I mean, because we, yeah. we, we've talked about, like, Fincher because he was, you know, rumored to be... Be um, attached or whatever. Yeah. No, well, well, wanted, I should, yeah. you know, because he wanted to do a whole other thing, but... Uh, sure. <laughs> um, so this is obviously not, like, his draft of the movie. It's... Uh, right. It's... it's something else because he wanted Gwen Stacy and he wanted to kill her. Um, But, but I could see someone like Alfonso Cuaron uh, doing a really good job with a script like this. I mean, you'd probably want a few more passes on it, but yeah, this, this feels like, you know, his sort of um, kind of in line with his sensibilities, I guess. Yeah. It's his wheelhouse for sure. Yeah. I think so. Um, All right. Well, I mean, I'll keep going uh, tomorrow. Yeah. We got Um, more, you know, behind the scenes credit things and more uh, script deviations to talk about. You know, it's nice to have a spot to to talk about them, but yeah. yeah. Un- all right. Un- unsung heroes minute, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um all right. Well, uh we'll be back tomorrow with minute 118. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye.